Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the EFES podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. Chase Urich here with the FS Nation podcast, episode number three. Uh, excited to be back at it and uh, bring you guys another episode. If you're listening in on pot, you know, the iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform where you're finding us on YouTube, uh, the YouTube clips are going to be a little bit shorter. If you want the full episode, you can jump over to the podcast platforms. Pretty much every one of them you can think of we're probably on. Uh, but like I said, iTunes, uh, not iTunes, I think it's uh, the podcast app through Apple as well as Spotify and a few others. Check it out and uh, you'll be able to find the full episodes. But I got my partner in crime on today, somebody I know very well, been working with it for quite some time. As I mentioned before in the first episode with Holden, I've been with Equita for 16 years. Ryan, you've been with Equita how many years? Man, it's just 18. Can you believe it? 18 years. All right. So, before, you know? yeah, yeah, you had a, had a head full of hair when I when I first met you when we were 21, 23 years old. Uh, but uh, we're going to kick today off with the theme, the topic, kind of not looking to bash any competitors or anything like that. But we see a lot of articles being put out there, a lot of posts on social media, particularly in the Facebook groups. There's a lot of new agents that ask a lot of questions and it pertains to you know, is this company the right fit? Is that company the right fit? Or they have problems with their current setup. So we're going to go through some of those questions that we see that get asked. And uh, we're going to tee you up and let you kind of throw your perspective out there. And um, so with that being said, we're going to start off with your specialty. You're the vice president uh, of business development, uh, recruiting, marketing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, You do a little bit of everything and always have at the Equity Group. I want to talk about, you know, really what you convey to agents because you don't try and bring anybody and everybody on when you're going through the hiring process, when you're seeking talent to join our organization. Um, I want to just kind of start with as a new agent or someone that's been doing this, if they're looking for the right fit, the right home, what are, what what should they really be paying close attention to? What are the, some of those keys for them to make sure they find the right spot? You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I was talking to an agent today about this very this very similar topic or the exact same topic. And, you know, back when we got in the business, back when FS started the final expense division back in 05, there was only a handful of companies that an agent could go to. There was no Internet, no Facebook groups, all this stuff. And it was, you know, these two captive companies, these three independent companies, and, and hopefully it worked out. Right. And, and nowadays, it's like there's 950,000 people that say they're an IMO. They say they have a system. They say they have training. And it's just a bunch of recruiters out there just trying to build their downline up. And, you know, hey, good for you guys. Like, I, I, I admire that. That's just not how we do it, right? But nowadays, the agent, it's like agents always ask, like, why do people fail? And, you know, the number one reason why people fail in this business has always been work ethic. Right. If you're not willing to go to work, you probably ain't going to make it in this business. Right. But number two, it's not the agent's fault. The agent picks the wrong partner. You know, they, they join a company that they think is the right company. But what do they know? They don't know anything yet. They're just trying to find someone that's going to help them, train them, show them how to be successful, show them how to do it the right way. And a lot of times when I'm talking to agents, they're like, look, my upline didn't do anything. And. I always tell people straight up, if the upline's going to make an override, well, they damn well should do something for the override, right? So that's their that's the biggest concern for me right now in the market is there's just there's a lot of people out there pushing recruiting, but they're not bringing value. And you have to have value or why are you 
giving up part of your override, you know? So I think that's yep. the main focus that, that, that should be focused on by the recruit. Do your due diligence, look at the companies that have not just got here yesterday, look at the ones that have been around the block, look at what their systems are like and ask the right questions. You know, so many people don't know what vesting day one is, Chase. And it's like, you need to own yeah. your book. Don't let that get away from you. Yeah, and that's what I want to kind of harp on real quick. You just touched on the mentorship part, and then we're going to get to the LOA, the captive part of it that I think is very, very important for us to hammer on. Um, I'm scouring through right now one particular insurance Facebook group, and it's not to chastise any of the agents for asking questions. I actually kind of you know, applaud them for having the courage to get out there, even though nowadays you can just post anonymously. You don't have to put your name out yeah. there. That's kind of whatever. Um, but I do give them a tremendous amount of attaboys out there for getting out there and asking the questions. But the thing that's alarming to our point is, and you just touched on it, the amount of basic questions that get asked in the group um, by people that when you go back and look, they've been doing this for over a year. So for me, if you've been at it for over a year, I notice a trend here. And I just, to touch on my point, I believe that if you've been at it a year, you should have a lot of these big basic rudimentary type, simple questions, you know, easily answered. But I look and there's a trend. Uh, I won't name any names for good and bad reasons, but we have some friends in the industry that run top-notch shops and we give them attaboys for, you know, and we, we kind of marvel at them from afar. And when we get to see them on trips and stuff like that, we always tell them they're doing a great job and that we, we commend them. Um, I notice a theme here when I look through here, I won't name any names, but it's, it's typically the recruit heavy, and you're just now another name on the contracting sheet type companies that bring the people in and then they're left to their own. They don't have that mentorship that you're talking about. You know, for people who are talking about when, should, when, are, when are the best days to dial? You know, how should I work a lead? Where can I buy leads? There's a lot of these questions that go in here. And, and once again, it's not to chastise anybody listening in if this is you. It's more of to Ryan's point, uh, and you see it commented by some, some of the people who are, who are elite level producers, finding a mentor a good mentor should be able to answer a majority of these questions for you. And you talk to people on the phone every single day about this stuff. Um, I know that you play doctor, like you listen to all of the symptoms, what's going wrong with their business. Uh, elaborate a little bit on the, on the mentorship part. I know you touched on it already, but you hear this all the time. And some of the horror stories are insane in terms of people just being left out to their own. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was talking to a guy yesterday and, you know, he's been in the business a year and a half and, you know, he was, he, he sounded very confident. You know, he's like, hey, look, sales isn't my problem. And I'm like, all right, well, that's great. That's fantastic because I wish all agents, number one, had that mentality, but number two, actually could do the deal, right? And so, you know, he was very limited on his carrier lineup. And 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 so I, I knew the carriers he was with. And so I was like, look, let's just play a little game. Let's talk about underwriting, you know? What would you do in this situation? And I like to make it very real. I'm a 71-year-old grumpy man. You know, I, I'm overweight. I'm five foot two, so I'm real short. I'm real round. I'm like 340 pounds. You know, I'm insulin diabetic. I got complications of neuropathy, taking these gabapentin pills like M&Ms. And, you know, I also had a TIA, like a mini stroke six months ago. Like, what are you going to do for me? And all the agents I talk to, for the most part, there's always the one that really knows what they're talking about. But for the most part, like, oh, that's guaranteed issue. And I'm like, yeah, see, it's not. Yeah. See, you know, and then I'll ask the question. I'll say, hey, what percentage of your business is guaranteed issue? And from the people I talk to on a daily basis, most people say between 15 and 20 percent. 
So call it one fifth of their business. You look at our company, our, our, our whole agency as a whole, it's like 7% of our business is, is GI. So how is there that big of a discrepancy? It's training, yep. right? That particular right. client, as you know, Chase, can go preferred with one carrier in the entire country. So, but if the agent doesn't have that knowledge, what's saying that the upline has that knowledge, right? And, yep. you know, unfortunately, and I'll, you know, hey, I'll die on my soapbox. There's a lot of multi-level marketing companies out there, not to name names, but when you're tiered that many layers down, I guess down this way, right? The, the lack of knowledge follows its way down, right? Maybe the one at the very top knows the answer, but I'm underneath seven layers deep and my upline doesn't know the answer. Well, what do you do when you don't know the answer? Well, you either guess, try to throw a dart and see if this carrier will take it, or you just do the GI. You know, throw an AIG against the wall and hope it sticks and know my comp's not going to be well and they're not going to draft it, you know, with Social Security drafting. So, you know, those are big situations. And sometimes they're like, man, I just, you know, I always call my upline and sometimes he doesn't answer. That's a problem. Because if you're a new agent, you can't leave that house. Like there's always the exception to the rule. But 98% of these sales are one sit close. You leave that house, you ain't getting back in. So I don't care how long you got to stay there. You're staying there until you get the answer from somebody. And that's where, you know, companies like us, because we're not multi-level, because we don't have a billion agents running around, we have a hotline you can call. These other companies that have, you know, a thousand X agents and we got, right? They can't have a hotline. It's impossible. The, the phone would be ringing every quarter of a millisecond. Yep. So to be able to call your upline and know that that person knows the answer because you're not eight layers deep, or to call a hotline, right, and get a list of, you know, 40 people that might be connected to our hotline and have an expert help you make the sale. And it just takes a unique culture, Chase. As you know, our builders are different. You know, how many times an, uh, an agent gets helped in a home and that upline or that that top, that manager or builder is not getting paid to help the person? Like, that's unheard of in this business. A lot of people just, they don't lift a finger unless they get an override, and that's called culture. And, you know, we pride ourselves in that, but it's, it's nothing we did. It's the people we found that brings that kind of culture here. Yeah. And you just touched on it. And I think it's something that really needs to be highlighted on, on the comment you just made. We may have been, you know, a helping hand and help bring people together, but you know, at the end of the day, it's the people that make the culture. And so for us, you know, over the years, we've, we've had our faults in terms of bringing people in before they've proven themselves just because we want to bolster that team. And um, I, I'd rather be, I'd rather be somebody who makes a mistake in that area than somebody who's exclusatory uh, and pushes people away. But, you know, you just, you hammered on something there that is, is really prevalent in these chats or in these groups and these forums, you know, the questions, the, the, the simple type questions that get asked, if there was a little bit of culture brought in and I can name off probably 10 organizations that do it great uh, along with us and then 10 organizations that do it bad, but the bad ones get highlighted because, you know, the upline that's not, they're not earning that override to your point. We you have to be able, number one, we talked about this in prior podcasts. We talk about this internally, internally regularly. Yeah. If you're going to have somebody in your downline and a part of your team, you are responsible for their income. You ask them to come from another, another occupation and you just can't plug them in and then leave them alone. And if they die, they die. It's not my problem. Like 
There needs you need to be able to water those plants. You need to be able to nurture them and help them grow. Shed light in areas that will help them flourish. And that's been kind of a bugaboo for for us. I know we've talked about it at nauseum. It's the the, the agents that who are neglected, or more importantly, the agent who does ask for help from that mentor upline, and they got to get the cold shoulder or chastised for asking for help. Well, you should know this. I have it here. You should. That kind of stuff is just silly. And uh, I think that's a contributing factor to. You know, that number of 92% of the agents that get into this business, get licensed, fail out. I think that's a contributing factor to it. Uh, I, we won't harp on that, but I thought you really explained it well. You talk yeah. to people on a daily basis about that, which, you know, I know it's it's something that's kind of come second nature to you because you see it regularly. Well, you brought up the point about the chats and, you know, <clears throat> sometimes the highlighted chats are, or highlighted groups are not the companies with necessarily the right infrastructure. And I think that's because some people mass recruit and some people try to find entrepreneurs. Yep. You know, if, if, if you call me and you say, hey, I want to work every other Thursday or you want to work on weekends or you want to work at nights from 6 to 8 p.m. every day, I'm going to tell you, look, I'm not always right, but I think I am most of the time. I've been doing this a long time. I've known two agents, and Chase, you know the two I'm talking about, that have been successful doing this part-time. Two out of God knows how many, right? This is not a hobby, guys. This is a business. you got to treat it like a business, you know, and that's the difference with us. You can't, like, people ask me all the time, like, you're the recruiter. You're supposed to, like, sign me up. And I'm like, respectfully, you're treating this like a hobby and I'm going to pass. What do you mean you're going to pass? Give me the contracts. And I'm like, no, you're a debt liability. You want to work on this on weekends or every Thursday. It's not going to work. And, you know, it goes back to another point. A guy I was talking to today was like, he's a top, top producer with um, an organization. We all know. And, uh, you know, he's coming on board and he was like, now, Ryan, I'm coming over to be a producer. Don't be trying to get me to build a team and do all that. And I was like, dude, it was like, Hey, look, we're not that organization. There's a lot of companies out there. And after two months, if you not sell nothing, they'd be like, hey, Chase, you want to make more money? And you're like, yeah, duh. And they're like, well, then you got to recruit. You got to get overrides. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's such horrible advice. Like, if that person can't make money, what right do they have holding this other agent's livelihood in their hands? They don't. You know, we don't even try to push anyone to build an agency we find them, they flourish, they bring it up. Hell, me and Chase, you and I have had countless conversations with agents that want to be builders, and we're telling them all the stuff they that no one talks about. Yep. We're telling them all the negative stuff about being a builder. It's not all overrides and going on trips and sitting on your butt making money. That is not what building an agency is, but a lot of no. people say that is. And that's why all these people recruit in masses, and it just, it just doesn't work. And Hey, look, Dallas, Fort Worth. This is a great example. I love this topic. So <clears throat> there's MLMs out there in our in our neck of the woods, DF Dub, Great Dallas, Go Cowboys, that they have over 900 agents with their organization just in our backyard. Okay. Yep. Now you and I have been doing direct mail. I mean, shoot, when we got in the business, we used to we had our own mail shop back then. I'm sitting sit the cards out by job code and all that jazz. So we know the data, right? If you have. Uh, you can keep busy. Last time I checked, you can keep busy. 17 agents in DFW and all of the outskirt counties outside of DFW busy full time every week with 25 plus direct mail leads a week. So how does a company have 900 agents in Dallas Fort Worth? How is it? 
Well, they obviously can't provide them leads, at least not direct mail. They might be able to do like, you know, digital internet, whatever, whatever. But they, they don't they don't have a platform because they have too many agents. Here's my point. If our 17 agents are writing 26 apps each at an 800 AP, they're all killing it, right? But that's only 17 agents. If they're right. 900 agents, I'll write an average of two apps a month. That's 1,800 apps, okay? The IMO is making a lot of money, but the agents aren't, right? Because there's not enough leads to keep them busy, hence why they recruit in masses. So, you know, it kind of goes back to where we look for the right person. We want an entrepreneur. I want someone that wants to make money, help seniors, and do it the right way. But at the same time, they're running a business, Chase. Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that's something that, you know, for the masses that are listening in, like, that's just our motto. That's our mentality. You know, that that may be a detriment. We probably could be hitting a higher growth percentage than we are. But, you know, we really do focus on quality over quantity. We want to be able, just because of the responsibility perspective, like I don't, I, well, that old phrase that we were taught when we were younger, you know, the, the, the best pillow to lay your head on at night is a clear conscience. I don't want to recruit 800 people. Like we've talked about this. We don't want to recruit 800 people in one area and know that we can only take care of 17 or 18 of them with one particular lead source. Um, it's just, we don't want to do that to people. We don't want to do that to other human beings. But as we talk about that, we transition to this next one. It talks about doing the right thing for people. You know, this LOA, you know, captive model. I know that you, you talk to people on a regular basis about this. And this one's kind of a bugaboo for me. And I really hope this one with uh, the team, the production team, this one's probably going to get cut into the highlight that gets put on YouTube because this for me is something that I'm extremely passionate about. I know you are. Once again, we talk about it all the time. But if there's somebody listening in right now and you're somebody who does not own their book of business and I'll put the caveat onto it and you don't have a contract or an agreement in place, maybe you're because there's there's this one particular group that. Your LOA, but there's a contract in place so that if you decide to leave, you own your book. That's a little bit different scenario. If you don't have that in your LOA or your captive, there's you know a three-letter company out there that um, you know they'll bring you in as a total green pea. They'll train you up, show you how to do it. They give you some bunk leads, from my understanding, but uh, that's my opinion, bunk leads. And uh, you go out and start writing some business. If you decide to leave, not only will they take your book of business, but they'll also turn around and vector you. Uh, for all of the, uh, you know, uh, the advanced balances that you have. Can't caution agents enough if you're getting into this business and you hear this, or if you're already out there doing it, you know, the LOA setup scares the living bejesus out of me for the agents that are out there working their butt off to produce, because that's your book of business. You should be in charge of that book. You shouldn't have to look over your shoulder you talk to so many people who have been wronged on that particular platform, man, spit it. Tell us, tell us what, uh, what, how those conversations go in your words on it. I had this conversation today uh, with an organization. We all know them. They have TV commercials. Let's just put it that way. Um, and I said to him, I said, Hey, Johnny, did you read, you got a contract, right? With your, with your company. And he said, yes. I said, did you read it? He's like, well, it was a year ago, but kind of. And it's like, I always get that answer. I'm like, guys, you're signing a contract. Like, this is the insurance business. We all get in the insurance. Well, we don't all get in the insurance business for this reason. But this is why we like the business. We like the business because we can't dance, we can't act, and we can't sing. This is the only other place you can get residual income. Right here, insurance, right? So that's why we do it. But if your residual money can be touched, 
read the contract, right? I tell all new agents, look, you may not be ready for the big leagues. That's okay. If you're brand new in the industry, you know, we're like the major leagues. Um, it's sometimes best for you to get your, you know, your feet wet somewhere and then come to the major leagues when you're ready. Okay. When you're ready to truly dive into the deep end and be an entrepreneur. But remember these two things. Okay. This is just the cold hearted truth. Number one, do not sign up with an organization that you're not vested day one. That is rule number one. Okay. Yeah. What does vesting mean? A lot of people don't know what it means, Chase. I'm like, it means you own your book of business. It means day one. If you write one application and then you hit the lottery and you retire and you get out of the industry and that policy stays on the books forever, you get your renewals forever. That's the rule number one. Rule number two is do not sign up with an organization that the carrier doesn't pay you. If the IMO pays you, do not do not sign up with them. So then I'm talking to the person, right? I'm talking to the guy today. He already messed up on rule one and two. And so I basically tell him, look, you have two options, in my opinion, two options. Option one, quit yesterday. We can't quit yesterday. It's yesterday. Option two is stay there the rest of your life. Because if you don't and you decide to go there for another year and put on a whole nother 200 grand in premium, you're just going to kiss all that goodbye. And the sad thing is, is what these companies got smart with, Chase, is they started putting two-year vesting clauses in, Right. But then yep. if you look below the two-year vesting clause, there's like this little asterisk and it starts talking about this little weird language. Like if you suspiciously mess with our clients, you can be terminated for cause even after the two years. And we've seen it. We got a buddy up in the Northeast and he lost his whole book. He was there five years. He was fully vested, never touched a piece of business, never replaced a piece of business. And they still took it from him three months after he left and they had no reason, but that, you know, what are you going to do? You're an individual agent. You're going to lawyer up and fight the, uh, these big, big gigantic animals. No, you're not. You're just going to lose in lawyer fees. And it's just sad. It's like, this business is so great for everybody involved. 11,000 seniors turning 65 every day. I think you told me the stat, there is not enough insurance agents to help the baby boomers for the next 10 years on their health insurance. There's not enough of us. Okay, yeah. it's a great business, but you shouldn't set yourself up to where you're going to be depressed on a huge mistake. Because when you make that leap to the major leagues, wouldn't it be great if you had a four or five thousand dollar monthly renewal stream coming in already? Hell yeah, because you're starting over, right? So don't make that mistake, guys. Make sure you're vested day one. Make sure you're paid by the carrier. Two rules of thumb. There's no one that can argue with that. There's no one that can debate me on that. That is just facts. Yeah, and, and to go with that, there's there's a few groups out there that, you know, number one, I will just caution you, if if you're being pushed to find the right home and it's all based off of comp, you're gonna have you're gonna have a wolf in sheep's clothing out there a lot of times that talk about having the highest comp in the industry. And then when you look at the commission grid, you're gonna find out very quickly it's not the highest comp. I'm not singling any one particular out on that. There's there's a few of them that do that. And what they've done is they've tried to circumvent the system to get you off of the most important part, which is infrastructure, system, support, mentorship. Those are the things that you need. Do you have a system that can keep you in front of people on a regular basis? You know, constant activity, because that's the name of the game, remaining active, having people to see every day, you know, and then it, it, they, they kind of try and blind you or I would say intoxicate you with the comp side of it. And then what happens is when you sign on the dotted line, the comp is a lot less than what you could have got uh, just on a regular setup, a normal fair shake program. 
And then the other part that goes along with that with these same groups, and this is something I caution a lot of you on to go with what Ryan was saying, you know, be vested day one, be paid directly from the carriers. Uh, at the same time, you know, almost just as dangerous as an LOA setup. And for those of you out there, licensed only agent. That means you are not the agent of record. You do not have any right to make any decisions on that book of business for that client. That's for the upline. That's for your company that you're with. Those setups are scary. At the same time, there's groups now that are telling you there's no contract, highest comp in the industry, when in fact there is a contract. The contract states things like, you know, you can't say disparaging remarks. You can't do this. You can't do. I get the disparaging comments and all that. I get that. But the bottom line is the premise and the focus is that you're still signing a freaking contract. And the contract should be between you and the insurance carrier. It should not be between you and the upline. Now, there's litigation on this. There's you know legal conversations that have taken place. But just to caution you out there, if you stumble upon this, even after getting into the situation, uh, and joining an organization like that, number one, take a deep breath and understand it's not the end of the world. Uh, they don't have all the insurance companies out there, a diversified group, I'll say like ours and a few others. Uh, there's going to be some holes that can be filled without any problems where you won't miss a beat. So don't freak out, don't freak out and think that your career is over. Uh, the big thing is find somebody that isn't selling you to join their organization. Find somebody that is just transparent. They're real and they'll be there when you need them. And then they have a system that goes along with it to set you up for success. If, if the system is, I can give you a contract. We have a few lead vendors that you can get in contact with and put your own plan together. Unless you've achieved at the highest levels already, you need that mentor to help you put that plan together. That doesn't mean they're in total control. That doesn't mean that they need to have their finger on the pulse and say, hey, I'm taking this, I'm turning this off. It's more of having that person guide you until you uh, can do it yourself. It, there's, you know, there's no ego in it. So I love the point that you made. I want to harp on the LOA. I want to harp on the vesting of day one. Don't give away something that you work so hard for because this business isn't easy. Um, you know, you and I were talking about this not too long ago, literally just the other day. Um, I was out in the field this week with some 25 year old brand new to the business. You know, a 19 year old that just got his license. who's brand new to the business. And hell, we got a 49-year-old who's newly licensed and brand new to the business. They don't know anything just like we didn't know anything when we first got into it. There's so many things that we take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis, man, that you know, when you're totally green to it, they don't even know how to calculate a commission. They don't even know what grade it is. There's so many things to learn. It's easy to get duped and get put on a, you know, a non-vested contract or get duped in and talked into being on an LOA setup. If you take something away from this podcast, just make sure you own your book of business. Be somebody that has control in case you evolve and you change and you outgrow your current setup and you want to go somewhere else. Um, well, let me, let me, Ryan, can I talk to you about Chase? So yes. first off, I got to apologize to all our viewers because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my boy Chase, who's my guy, right? And I'm all amped up. And I, I'm like, oh, man, not everyone that's, that's watching this knows me. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty amped up guy. I'm on blood pressure medicine. I'm only 41 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sweating over here. I need, I need, but it's, it's, it, my amped upness is the passion, right? I love this business. I love helping agents. I got so many amazing stories that I could share about agents calling me and thanking me for changing their lives. And I'm like, look, 
don't thank me. Thank, look in the mirror. Thank yourself. I just gave you the platform. You did the work. I, no glory to me or, or Equita. You did the work, right? So, I, you know, I got to bring it down a notch because not everyone knows, me, you know, me. And, you know, but, but the transparency part is huge, right? Like something I always tell people on the, the after, when I'm about to end the very first call and, and my first calls are different. And, and, and I like that about me. My, my first calls with a recruit is average 50 minutes long. So think about it. Everyone on here has been recruited, right? By recruiters. And they're just quick trying to get you to fill a contract out or whatever they're trying to do. It's usually like eight minutes or less. I'm spending they're dirty old marketers. That's right. Dirty old marketers. I'm spending 50 minutes on the phone with you. Well, I've already, filtered you, right? If I, if you got past five minutes with me on the phone, that means I like you. Okay. Cause I've done my work, but I'm sitting there and I'm having this conversation and I always tell people, look, if I can show you how to make more money doing what you're already doing today, why would we not do business together? It doesn't make sense. Right? So, and how I end that first call is I tell them, and this is just, this shows everyone how I was raised by my daddy. I know your daddy raised you the same way and how we do business here. If we don't do what we say we're going to do, or anyone in our organization doesn't do what we say they're going to do, we'll sign your release. We're talking about divorce before we get married. Why? Because we know we're not going to cheat on you. We know we're going to do what we say we're going to do. We're going to train you. We're going to get you leads. We're going to protect your territory. We're going to make sure that, that the training is there, the support is there, and you are successful. You just got to do two things. You got to go to work, and you got to be coachable, right? And, and that's the difference, right? There's so many people out there that blow the smoke. And then when they ask for the release, it's like, whoa, what do you mean you want to release? Well, yeah, I'm not making any money. Think about that for a second. If you're the upline and a downline agent asks you for a release because they're not making any money and you say no, who are you? Are you God? Like, why are you taking control of this other person's livelihood when they're not making you money? They're not making money. Let them go. That's our mentality. But surprisingly as it is, not many people ask us for releases. Why? Because we do what we say we're going to do and they make money here. That's the difference. It's not multi-level. Do what you say you're going to do, people. Please, if you're not with us, do it the right way. You will be surprised how much more loyalty you'll have from your agents. It's not a coincidence that our number one agent we ever recruited in final expense in 2005, his name is Glenn Busey. He is still here to this day. Our number two agent, Joe Chacha, Tampa, still here to this day. He's our largest agency of all time, written over $53 million with his team. Like, it's not a coincidence. If you treat people right and you give them a platform to succeed and you don't ever lie to them, they stay. And that's, that's what business should be, Chase. I agree with you. And I'm going to close it with, with saying this. I'm going to piggyback what you just said. Um, you're not the right fit for every organization out there, but the, the right organization is out there for you. And we're not saying this to have you call us. We were more than happy to have a conversation with you. Ryan told you just a minute ago, he'll give you 50 minutes. But I will say this, find, find your home, find your tribe. And if you ever feel like you're lost in the shuffle, here's, here's my advice pick up the phone and call the person that brought you into the business, your mentor at that organization. If they're defensive, if they're putting it back on you, if they're not receptive to hearing it out, that's not leadership. You know, good leadership, servant leadership is there to help you be successful. Now, if you're not going to work, like Ryan said, uh, you know, you can't, you can't fix someone that's not going to go to work. 
But if you feel like you're an outsider, you feel like you're you're not someone that's plugged in, that leader, that mentor should be able to serve you and say, okay, well, let's let's identify some areas of, of, of that need to be fixed. And they're gonna they're gonna try and help remedy the situation instead of blame you for why it's not working. Now we come back around to the same topic two months later. Did you make the adjustments? Did you do everything you needed to do to make this work? Um, I think Ryan's point is so good that you need to find your home, throw your roots down instead of, oh, well, this didn't work out. First time I had a tough conversation with, with my with my mentor. A good mentor is going to, they're going to give it to you straight. Uh, they're not going to sugarcoat it, but find your tribe, throw your roots down, find a home, don't be nomadic. And, but if you're somebody who's looking like, and you know, right now is not the best, this is not the best fit for you. And you're looking for another fit. Identify the areas of weakness, find out where you're struggling, give your mentor the opportunity to correct and rectify that. And if it's not possible, then you, you know that you're, you're definitely on your way to where you need to go find, you need to find another setup for yourself. Um, you know, you know, your strengths, you know, your weaknesses, you should know the same within your team. And that's kind of the way we view it internally. We're all one team. You could be in Chicago, Illinois. You could be in, you know, Tampa, Florida. It doesn't matter. We're in Texas. We're all on one team. How can we help you get to where you want to be? The holistic approach, adding in Medicare to put that residual on the board for you uh, to sell more life. Do we need to raise up? Do a do an evaluation on raising our lead counts? Get more activity. Whatever it is, find your tribe. And Ryan, I know you tell people that on a regular basis. Find your home. Are we not talking about Medicare? Are we got to save that for another call because now I'm getting all amped up. Yeah, we're going to save that one for another episode because I know and I and I want you to get amped up. I'm ready for it. I, I don't know if our viewers are just yet. Maybe they I think they are probably. Uh, we're going to do it all over again. Uh, we're going to have many uh, different episodes, but that holistic approach, nobody knows it better than you. We implemented it from the moment we got back from that principals meeting. So we'll definitely have time to talk about that next. Well, let me give a teaser. All right. <laughs> so here's the teaser, guys and ladies, guys and ladies. By the way, I'll be the first one to say this. The female producers that have the thick skin are the best producers in this industry, bar none. Okay. Power to all the awesome female producers out there. I, I appreciate all of you what you do. Um, but here's the thing if you are selling final expense and you're not doing Medicare and you don't have a health license, before we shoot that next episode, whenever Chase makes it happen, start working on get your health license. Okay. You don't got to do it tomorrow. Okay, but but don't let months go on. Let it's okay later. go on, but don't let months go on because the hardest part is getting you licensed. Okay, that's the hardest part of the whole thing. But I can tell you right now, I'm just gonna do a quick example of somebody. I'm gonna leave this as a teaser chase. Okay, there's an agent we work with, he's been with us seven years. He is a good, solid, above average producer. Okay. Been with us seven years. He writes, you know, fifteen to twenty-two thousand a month. He's a good producer, and and he's been doing Medicare with us for four and a half years. So with us seven, been doing Medicare just at his fifth AEP. Okay, and I was just talking to him the other day, and his renewals on his final expense book is twenty-three hundred dollars a month. Cool, you know, when he went did it on paper, seven years at all the business he writes, figured it'd be a little bit higher, right? And so would we. But that's not the final expense business. It just falls off eventually or they die or they let it go. It's just it's what happens. No one's going to get wealthy off of final expense renewals. So twenty three hundred ish uh, uh, is his renewals for final expense. Seven years. 
his renewals for doing Medicare for four and a half years is $8,800 a month. 4X, okay? This guy's making 120 grand before he lifts a finger January 1st. It's the same client. We'll go over it. I'm just letting everyone know, go get your health license. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is most organizations out there, they teach you one avenue and that's it. We're like, look, you're already purchasing this lead. It's the same clients. Sell both. Do it compliantly, but sell both. Okay. You're already there and you can be wealthy, not rich. You can be rich selling final expense, but you can be wealthy selling final expense and Medicare. It's a huge difference. Can't wait to talk about it. Love being here, Chase. Thanks for the invite. Guys, you're going to go ahead. If you become a regular listener, you're going to get to know Ryan very well. This first episode was uh, was long overdue, even though we're only three in now. But he'll be a regular here with us. Um, and I'll just tell you now, if you'd like to have a conversation, not to do a shameful plug, but if you would like to have a conversation and just have a talk about am I in the right place or some areas that I can improve in, or you just want to talk about, hey, I'm selling a lot of life. I'm happy with my current shop, but I want to talk about Medicare. How can we help? There's a phone number that's listed on the screen here. You can call us. Um, you can reach out, go to fsnation.com, fill your information out, drop it in there. It's a free talk. It's just getting to talk to some people who are in the business and have been around the business for quite some time. And uh, we're not going to push you to do something, but we will steer you in, the, in a direction of honesty. And uh, if you're in a great place, we'll be the first to tell you that. So RC, appreciate you. We'll do it all again uh, sooner than later, buddy. You got it, bud. Thanks, Ephes. Thanks for listening to the EFES podcast. For more, visit EFESNation.com and subscribe to the podcast catalog on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.